In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, just, uh, just a very few short hours ago, Pope Francis canonized Louis and Zélie Martin, the parents of many people's favorite saint, the little flower, St. Therese of Lisieux. Obviously, we have many husbands and wives who are saints, most especially the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph. This is the first time, however, that a pope has canonized, at the same time, a husband and wife. And it happens appropriately during the Synod on the Family. It offers us an opportunity to consider this beautiful love of husband and wife and how it can lead us um, to aspire to even greater things. St. James and St. John, not yet completely holy, but still desiring of the greatest approach our Lord. And they say, we want to be at your right and at your left. And as often as our Lord chastises the apostles or, or those who are impertinent, he doesn't chastise them. He challenges them. He wants them to desire to be at his right and his left. And he makes it clear that if you want to be the greatest, if you want to be like me, then you will suffer and you will be a servant. In fact, you'll be a slave and you will be a victim. The first reading, if we heard it, it's good to sometimes take a look at the readings before Mass or even during Mass, sneak a second peek at them to make sure that you really heard what you thought you heard. The first reading is rather disturbing this morning. If you look at it, at first glance, it's hard to know what's going on when we read, the Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. It's hard to know what creature of God our Lord would be pleased to crush. So we realize that this section of the prophet Isaiah is referring in prophetic terms about the suffering servant who is to come to suffer for our sins. The one who is being crushed is Jesus, our Savior. And he does so not only in simple obedience to God the Father, he does so with love. He willingly allows himself to suffer what we deserve for our sins. So much does he love the Father. So much does he love you and me that he wants us near him. He wants us with him in heaven. He wants our sins to prove no obstacle to our being in his company for all eternity. This love of Christ for his church, which he describes as that between a groom and his bride, 
desires this exclusive love, this absolute priority. And so the question of James and John isn't completely out of place. It's only slightly misinformed about what what this will entail. And even though they do pledge that they are, are willing to endure what he will endure, they can't quite yet imagine what that will mean. How similar is this to any couple that falls in love and they dare to say to one another, I, I want to be yours. I want to be the most important person in your world. When that is offered in complete charity and generosity with virtue, I want to belong to you no matter what for all the rest of the days of your life on earth. It's not impertinent. It's beautiful. Do people know ahead of time what suffering that will demand of them? Probably not, and that's probably a good thing. Most people who give up their life really genuinely mean it when they begin, whether it be a wedding vow or a consecration or an ordination. And they've probably gone through some diligence to explore what it will demand of them and how they need to be prepared for it the changes that they need to make already ahead of time before this life of commitment begins. And with the grace of God, step forward into that consecration. They will almost certainly encounter moments when they decide or think or fear, this is, this is too much for me. If I'd known it would be like this, I wouldn't have done it. Which is, as you've heard me say before, is not a sign that you made a mistake. It's a sign that you are genuinely giving up your life. And the love which began that life can persevere and bring you to the moment of being not only grateful that you didn't know how hard it would be for fear that you might not have started it in the first place, but you're even grateful for the cross that you had to carry, which then perfected you and purified your love. If we want to promote vocations, for instance, I suggest that we tell young men how difficult it is to be a priest. Not only on a practical level, but on the mystical level, what a frightening prospect it is to stand in the place of Christ at the altar, to address God's people on behalf of God, and then to beseech God the Father for his mercy 
on behalf of the people of God. We should tell our young men how much the devil hates priests, how much the world despises them. It might even help to tell them what kind of insults they'll get. But it's also possible that we would promote vocations by seeing mom and dad love each other completely, heroically, generously. When we see mom and dad transformed into saints by their love for each other, by the love they have for their children, by their virtue and their joy under all circumstances, no matter what the world throws at them. When young people see their parents transformed through suffering and persevere, then they may very well decide for themselves, is there an easier way to become a saint? Because where's the convent and where's the seminary? Sign me up. None of us escapes from this mystery of being the suffering servant, of being transformed by a love that wants to be nearest to the one we love most. If we are willing to accept the suffering that it entails, it will be a holy desire, and it will change us, and it will change the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.